uh, I guess we're almost a little bit less than halfway through 2021, yeah. which is kind of crazy because the last, you know, since March has felt kind of like one big blur, <laughs> but it's, it's kind of crazy that we're here. I know. Well, how is, yeah. Oh, I guess um, even before we start, you, you are hearing a new voice on the podcast. So uh, would our guest like to introduce themselves really quickly? Yes, I would. Oh, my God. I'm so excited to be here, y'all. Um, <laughs> this is Ochuko coming to you from yet another home that is not mine. Fun fact, I graduated three weeks ago and I've lived in five homes since then because my <laughs> lease doesn't start till July. So talk about growing up, right? Oh, so, no. yeah. But I'm Ochuko, I'm 22, I just graduated. Um, I'm the founder of Parachute, which I'm gonna talk about in a sec. I'm, you know, I'm from Nigeria, so I'm not even from here, but I am here. So yeah, you know, I'm excited to have this awesome conversation with y'all. Thanks for having me, Jin and Calvin. So um, I guess, yeah, it sounds like you've had a pretty like weird 2021 so far. Oh God, After yes. graduating and then <laughs> yes. bouncing, uh, couch surfing, I guess. Yeah, oh, it's been like a weird limbo where, um, so I'm starting a full-time job at Adidas um, in- Oh, that's so exciting. I know, <laughs> in two weeks. And you know, my lease starts in July. And so, you know, I graduated like May 5th or something. And between that, it's just been this weird period of like, can I stay at your place and your place and your mm-hmm. place? I have nothing to do. I have no income, but I will have income pretty soon. And so I'm not that like, <laughs> worried about it. It's just kind of like, uh. And um, I'm living with my friend who lives in the suburbs. And something that's mm-hmm. weird is that like, because I moved here for college, my life is like college town and mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. young people. And now I'm in like suburbia and I'm like, ooh, like what are all old these people? people. <laughs> yeah. It's just like so old weird. people and kids. I know. Dogs. Like, is that a thing? I guess yeah. so. <laughs> so. It's been pretty interesting. Yeah. No, that's too good. I, I had that same shock um, when I was living in LA for college mm-hmm. and then I moved back to the valley and I was just like, what is what is going on? I know. Like, things are closed at eight o'clock. Like, is this is this for real? Is this our future? I know. Yeah. It's just, yeah. My college experience was kind of weird because I lived in like um. So La Jolla is the city that um, UCSD is in, the, mm-hmm. where I went to for college, and it is like half college town, half bougie, rich white mm-hmm. neighborhood. Like the richest of rich like mansions and like beachside hill houses but then also like all these college students at the same time yeah so it's it's a it was a weird um college town to kind of grow up in i feel that Uh, mine was um i had the exact same thing so i went to a private school and um right behind us was is this like small town called lake oswego it's so bougie that buses don't even go there i'm not even gonna talk about why that is problematic (laughs) but like okay so anytime my friends and i go there and like it's all white people we're all like oh my god like i feel so poor but let's just go like you know house viewing and stuff it's so funny but yeah i feel that it's a whole vibe a whole vibe <laughs> uh, but yeah this this year's been sort of weird because it doesn't it does really just feel like 2020 extended yeah it, it doesn't feel like it's been a new year mm-hmm. it just feels like more of the pandemic uh, it, things have been it's been a little weird and stressful because stuff has been opening up at least in mm-hmm. la and um, I know that we have a large vaccinated contingent. Yeah, but uh, I don't. You don't trust people. everyone, though. I don't trust exactly. That's what everyone. That's the thing. It's <laughs> no. like until I see ninety percent, I'm like, I'm just gonna assume that nobody's vaccinated. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not gonna happen. I'm guilty of that. I just signed up to get my vaccination because I was so scared of getting sick around my mm-hmm. finals. 
And so I'm getting mine tomorrow. I'm getting the Johnson and Johnson one job. Oh, one shot done. One yeah. shot done. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's been pretty interesting. I feel like 2021 has no personality of its own. I just feel like it's just like <laughs> it's the same thing around this um, time last year. You know, we had everything happen with Black Lives Matter, and now we have you know mm-hmm. all the like you know Palestine and Israel kind of like you know mm-hmm. things going on. So just like the same kind of vibes happening again, and you know the same. Everyone's scared, but also everyone's like over it and i think Mm -hmm. something that i'm always reminded of is just how much we humans just adapt if that makes sense Mm -hmm. i think Mm -hmm. you know it's it this is weird like this is like really weird like you know like the hundred um i was i started watching the show and it's this thing whole thing about you know something happened on earth so everyone's like somewhere else and like earth is dangerous and stuff and i'm Uh like you know we are in a pandemic and it's wild but somehow it's become normal but this isn't Mm -hmm. normal and you know it's just i can't even imagine that feeling of like i'm gonna go to a club and rubbing off and off on people and feel normal about it so i just i don't know what's happening y'all and you know Mm. i turned 21 in the pandemic and I never got a fake before as most people do. Like, I'm just gonna do 21 and go, nothing happened. <laughs> nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> and so sometimes I still find myself saying I'm 21, even though I'm 22 now. All my mm-hmm. friends are like, well, that was like anticlimactic, like, you know, <laughs> whatever. So yeah. Yeah. it is what I think it is. Well, definitely what's gonna happen is like, it's kind of like when you have a rough childhood, you grow mm-hmm. up and you're like, oh, that wasn't, that wasn't cool what happened so like in two years everyone's be like oh yeah that was like kind of kind of a lot that we all went through together it was a lot that we all went through and i feel like everyone's gone through these different phases of how to approach this i remember when you know the pandemic first happened on instagram there will be all these tweets about you know if you don't achieve something in this pandemic you know you're like a bad person or Mm -hmm. it was never about being busy it was about you and everyone's like oh my god and then you know sooner or later it shifted to you know do nothing rest we are like you know this is horrible you you, you don't do anything and it just keeps like swinging back to like this different phases we're all in and it's just it's the most but you know it is what it is yeah but i guess uh now that we've talked about our like 2021 journey you know, I really want to talk to Ochiko about what her journey has been like with Parachute because 27 kind of was birthed from me and Jean finding our way into doing our own thing, mm-hmm. um, both individually and then together as Studio DBJ. So we kind of want to hear from you, Ochiko, about like how things have been with your journey and Parachute Media, what it's about and what you do. So uh, today we're going to be talking to Ochiko about her journey, founding Parachute Media as a college student, uh, the hats that you need to pick up when starting a new venture, and the importance of storytelling in media. So I'm Calvin. And I'm Jean. And I'm Ochuko. <laughs> and this is 27, a podcast about growing up. Um, so at the start of the podcast, you were mentioning that you're from Nigeria. So I guess, like, can you talk a little bit about what it was like for you growing up and other just like background information about you yeah for sure so you know nigeria is so different from portland in like mm-hmm. every way anytime i go back i feel like i'm in another like genre of movie mm-hmm. or whatever just like another like complete backdrop there's a lot of people i think it's like the first thing um mm-hmm. i don't think they care 
I like I, I've not been there like during COVID, but I'm just like really interested to see how they're doing because the culture is just so so much more collective, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, family is a huge thing, community is a huge thing, you know, doing things together outside is a huge thing. I know where I lived growing up, you know, my house was there and my mom's sister's house was two um two doors away. Mm-hmm. Um my mom's brother's house was um like a couple of minutes away. And so I think I grew up like really surrounded by family a lot. I have, you know, my mom was a teacher in the schools I went to, you know, all up until I moved to Canada when I was 16 and my dad worked from home, you know, the whole time, you know, so I've been on that shit. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so it was just like a very like tight knit family, you know, growing up and stuff. But my parents were, you know, really protective. And so mm-hmm. had a best friend for four years, but I never went to her house four years and so um yeah they were they were so weird but um i think that means and you know this would tie into what i'm doing with passion i just had a lot of time to like think about just like random mm-hmm. stuff and i had this massive imagination because i had this weird fear that like i didn't really exist because i didn't really go out and do things enough and I so <laughs> yeah i was like you know like if something like if something happened like would anyone know would anyone care outside of my family because i was so disconnected from everything and you know i would make all these stories up in my head and like you know i would watch a lot of hollywood movies listen to a lot of like western artists and stuff and i knew that i always wanted to come here because to me that signified freedom and the way that i was away mm-hmm. from my parents and just kind of like mm-hmm. i could like live and be and i could finally exist and all that weird existential stuff <laughs> um <laughs> You know, so like growing up was kind of like tough in some ways for me, but looking back at it, I'd say it made me just who I am and that, you know, I would mm-hmm. see something and I would really want it and I would find a way to make it happen or that I could just have that power to imagine worlds or realities that didn't already exist. And I think mm-hmm. the most exciting part of growing up for me is actually having those tools to make those things exist. And mm-hmm. entrepreneurship was that thing for me. I remember when I moved here and I went to this like winter course about entrepreneurship that all colleges have where you like make a startup with someone and pitch it and like all mm-hmm. the judges be like yay or nay and stuff mm-hmm. um yeah. I was so fascinated that there were these people out there that would have an idea and they'll make they'll make it happen yeah somehow yeah. you know isn't that crazy like you yeah. know because we all have ideas but there's tools and resources and ways that you can actually make that exist you guys experience that as well with your branding and all the things that you do for clients you know they tell you their vision you have this idea and boom it's out there it's living it's existing Mm -hmm. like with uh, outside of you guys Mm -hmm. and so i think just that gift of imagination and just like determination is something that was really important that i got from my childhood trauma aside i'm grateful for that so (laughs) you know you're like side note you know symptoms include yeah trauma (laughs) we take it it is what it is (laughs) the severity of it kind of depends but there's always like a good and a bad thing that kind of come out of your Mm -hmm. childhood right Mm -hmm. and there was this benefit that like you had such a tight-knit family and you had that like really close community feeling because you were so close to like your aunts and your, your cousins and your other family members but like you said like you know that can be a little isolating sometimes too it was family is family but there are also other people that you know you Mm -hmm. you connected Mm -hmm. to and then like having a lot of family means that there's less of that and Mm -hmm. that can kind of affect you in a lot of ways yeah when I was growing up my friends were like my school life and so Mm -hmm. 
but then being in the dorms did like your whole life. Yes. And I remember like, you know, I feel you having, on that. Yeah, having issues with that where I was like, you guys are here like all the time. <laughs> and you know, I would want to be in just in my room doing my own thing. And I just realized that I have this internal thing of just, you know, separation of all the things. And I had to find a way to just let people just be there and mm-hmm. me just be there for people at all times. It was a lot, but you know what? We 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 we're growing. Growth. So <laughs> Wait, so what did you end up studying in college? And uh, where did you, where, or I guess if you're okay with saying where you went to college? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to Lewis and Clark College, small, wonderful, beautiful liberal art college in Portland. Fun fact, I didn't know what liberal arts was when I first got here. <laughs> I don't know if I would have gotten if I did. But um, yeah, I studied economics and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm so happy that college is over. Like, ooh, there's some people that are going to do like your second degree in the fall. And I'm like, what are you made? We're made from different cloth. Like, I did not understand this. But um, that was a whole phase of my life. That's now done. And I don't think I will ever be a student again, officially. I hope, I hope not. If my life goes as planned, I wouldn't need to. So, yeah as a college student. You founded Parachute Media. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what you do and what you all are aiming for? Parachute is a media brand that creates content and experiences that center and celebrate um, women and non-binary people of color. So our whole message that we're putting out there is that there's many ways to be a person of color as there are people of color. And so we create um, these content and these spaces that really celebrate us as like whole people and not just, mm. you know, specific parts of stereotypes, specific parts of identities that mainstream media really focus on. And yeah, we're just really trying to change how the world thinks about, you know, the kind of narratives that the world thinks should be told about people of color. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's so many types of narratives out there and, you know, we should just shed light on all of them. So yeah, that's what Parachute does. And it's really Gen Z focused, really young, really cool, mm-hmm. really beautiful. So yeah, y'all should check it out. I guess when in your college career were you kind of like parachute, like in in between studying finals, you know, being like no second degree life. um, When did parachute really kind of pop into your head? All right. So there's a story I taught you because it's so inspiring. And then there's the other story. Which one do you want to know? The the OG one or like the like... Wow. We, we should go for the OG one. Okay, let's go. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I think, no? I think we should go wow and then like pull the curtain back. Oh, and be like, no, okay. okay. So um, this is the like ugh, the one that I'll put in all the like cute papers and whatever. Mm-hmm. But back to like my childhood. So in Nigeria, like everyone's black. And so, you know, mm-hmm. what I try to explain to people is that you don't really grow up with this consciousness of like, I'm a black woman or whatever, mm-hmm. because it's just the common denominator. It's not really a part of your identity, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you're just like Ochuko or like your identity is more tied to like your tribe maybe because that's the only difference. Mm-hmm. And so it's like a pretty homogeneous like community like racially. When I moved, it wasn't so much in Canada, but when I moved here, I think, you know, Portland is very just Portland like people care a lot and because people care a lot they talk a lot about stuff and I went to a really white school and I went from being Ochuko to being that black girl and Mm -hmm. for me that was like wait 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 what you know because Mm -hmm. I'm something that has a pretty big personality and I you know have spent a lot of time developing like self-love liking who I am as a person and so 
it was a weird thing where a lot of people have that black pride and stuff which i've grown to have but i didn't really understand it i was just like it doesn't like why why is why is this a thing like i'm just a chico mm -hmm. you know can you call me that you know i think i just started having this question in my head about the balance between like embracing who you are like racially and just you know mm -hmm. embracing yourself as a person you know i went through these different phases where i i didn't really want to talk about race issues at all because i was just like mm -hmm. why does everyone want to talk about that with me like i don't i don't know i really don't know i don't really like i don't i don't want to talk about it and so i was mm -hmm. just like this weird black girl that just like would just i i, I wouldn't i wouldn't engage and um i went to this point where i'm actually proud to be black and it wasn't like I wasn't proud, I just didn't think about it. It was like, it's mm -hmm. not a thing to be proud of because it was just not a thing, you know, growing up. Mm -hmm. And I had to learn that pride, but also simultaneously like learn, you know, loving myself. And I think I started noticing and asking myself, like, what is this like for other people of color? You know, for other women, for other non-binary people of color? And how does media really affect that? Something I got really frustrated about was just how much of the media coverage was so trauma-based and so sad it was just so so sad i was like i really wanted to create content and spaces where i could go in and just be reminded of the joy that is being black because i feel like mm -hmm. that all the trauma and all the tragedy um for any person of color kind of more comes from what other people do and less than who we are like innately you know there's our food our culture our love lives and all of that and I think I just wanted Parachute to be a reminder to people that, you know, it's okay to care, of course, about politics and identity and all of that stuff, but mm -hmm. it's also really important for you to care about like love, your love life as well, and your career mm -hmm. and all of that stuff. And people of color are allowed to care about all of that stuff. Also with that message that, you know, there's many ways to be a person of color as there are people of color, because mm -hmm. I think I struggled with not being black enough when I got here, because obviously I'm mm -hmm. not African-American and so I'm, I don't act like I am. But, you know, people associate that with, like, blackness a lot. And when I wasn't like that, I had people telling me, you're acting like a white girl because you like Taylor Swift or indie music or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I became really just passionate about the idea that, you know, we shouldn't let other people put us in boxes, but we also shouldn't put each other in boxes as well. There's just so much heaviness that comes with it that we should just liberate ourselves by being ourselves. And so, you know, partial content is very much based on like joy and the total being of a person. And so we have content about like really serious stuff, but also about really light stuff that we do care about. You know, I'd be on Tinder all the time mm -hmm. swiping and I don't think about ice all the time. So I want to talk about that too. <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of like, you know, how partial came about. I think I decided that I wanted to do that in my sophomore year when I got into this entrepreneurship bootcamp thing, just because I didn't have mm -hmm. nothing to do over the winter break. I was like, these people are so cool and they mm -hmm. choose one thing to be good at and they stick with it and it, it, it touches people's lives. And I was like, I could do that. I'm pretty cool. Of course, I did not know how hard it was going to be. And so, um, yeah, that was kind of like pretty much it. But that's the like more cute version. There's also like... <laughs> all the other BS that went with that. So the behind the scenes part was that mm -hmm. <laughs> in the midst <laughs> of all of this greatness and in the midst of all of this, you know, revelation, I got really bad grades in freshman year and uh -huh. I wanted to get into finance. I was like, it's not, it's not going to happen. And I was like, <laughs> had this whole existential crisis and I didn't know what to do. And 
I figured that the only way to get what I wanted to do was, I saw that like coming into the States, there was this whole thing of people who created, you know, even if you wanted mm. to get a full-time job, you had to have something. I was like, I'm going to have something too. And so there was also that part of like, yes, I want to, you know, change the world. And there's like that part of like, yeah, I just like, you know, want to do something really cool. And I was seeing this boy at the time and he had this ex-girlfriend who he was hung up over and she mm-hmm. had done all these cool things and I was like, I'm going to be cool as well. <laughs> and, you know, I would never say this because I'm a man, but I can't like five, five percent to impress them. I was like, I'm going to be cool. And so um, I'm too good for him now. I would never, <laughs> never. But um, he's just some ashy white boy. God help me. But I'm happy that he inspired the greatness into me. And so I guess there's all this cool stuff. But also I did it because of a boy. And also, I did it because I just wanted to, I wanted to get a job and I thought that would be a good way to go. Ironic now that like, this is all I want to do. So that was fun. But yeah, that's like, that's the like side story that I would never admit no, to. I, I truly, I truly believe that spite is one of the strongest uh, powers. No, I, I feel you on that. There's like, that's like low key 5% of DBJ was like, I was like in spite of someone. I was like, I'm going to do this. I, yeah, I was like, I gotta be cooler than her. I know. Like, and now I was like, why did I do that? Because like we should support each other. But at first, there was one point where I was like, I gotta be cooler than him. I gotta be cooler than her. Like you know. And then now I'm just like, that was so dumb. We are but we are like, human beings. <laughs> like those things like happen and be important. No, it's just like I wouldn't. I yeah. I hope he never knows <laughs> that he had this impact on me ever. But like oh. you know, anytime I post something now and he sees it, I'm like, yes. Yes, you should have, but you didn't. So, you know, it'd be like that. I I don't know if you mentioned it specifically, but I think you were kind of alluding to like this feeling of ownership of Mm -hmm. like doing something that's yours as opposed to just like doing something else. And I think that's really important. I had a friend who came to me and said like, I just don't think that I can be an employee. Like I have to be a boss because I want to get stuff done and I want it to be done my way. Mm -hmm. And I don't like to be managed. I'm like, that's totally valid. And there are a lot of people who feel that way. Mm -hmm. And I think they're trying to like fit themselves into like, well, I have to be like a Mm -hmm. full-time salaried, whatever, because that's the stable smart thing to do. But if you, if you, if you have a boss, (laughs) if you have a boss mentality of a boss mentality, like you Mm -hmm. you can't change that. I think something else that's also there is that I always like, you know, laugh about is, you know, there's like soft skills and there's hard skills. Mm-hmm. I don't really have that many hard skills. If, like, I don't know how to, like, write or design mm-hmm. or draw or, like, you know, spreadsheets. Like, I don't, like, I'm not very good at the hard skills. And I think a lot of the time the hard skills are very, like, entry-level stuff, if that makes sense. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. really good at, like, the soft skills. Like, the organizing, the, you know, collaborating, mm-hmm. all that stuff that's kind of, like, more okay for me. And so it's funny because as I'm going into Adidas, I'm kind of like... <laughs> Oh, oh god what, what are they gonna ask me to do like you know i know y'all think i'm cool but like i'm cool at what i do don't try to make me do other stuff so yeah i think it's that's just like a really weird interesting thing where i'm like know yourself and know what mm. you're gonna succeed at and i think yeah just like i will tell you how this new job goes i'll keep you guys yeah, updated no worries. Yeah. i'm excited i would i kind of wish or i hope in the future that's how job applications actually go mm-hmm. Because um, I think that's the way like Studio DBJ operates. Because we had a meeting last week where we're just kind of like, we brought you on for the thing that you're good at. Yeah. We don't want you to do the thing you're not good at. Mm-hmm. So just tell us we, what you don't know. And then that's where me and Calvin are supposed to be. But I was like, yeah, yeah. hopefully one day, yep. one day the world will just tap into that. 
Um, Maybe it's a, yeah, it might be a little Pollyanna of us, but we're like, we know that you have something that you are good at and you, we know that you want to do the thing that you're doing. So like, tell us and then we'll make the space for you mm -hmm. to do that. Or like, tell us what you're interested in and we'll find something that fits. Yeah, and I think that's um, like, you know, that's how to make your team successful, you know? Mm -hmm. um, the person who runs Parachute with me now, she started as an editor and I would always mm -hmm. look at her in meetings as a writer. I would always mm -hmm. look at her in meetings and she looked so bored. And mm -hmm. I was like, what is happening, you know? And I remember like interviewing her and she was so, she just had my energy, if that makes sense. And I was like, mm -hmm. she's just gonna get things mm -hmm. done. And then it kind of occurred to me that maybe she just wasn't challenged and you know, the role wasn't big enough for her or she was just not yeah. a hard skills like person, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I brought her to do our operations and she's amazing. And okay. I think just, it's, it's just like a special like talent or like skill, you know, as someone who leads mm -hmm. a team to be able to figure out, you know, where people are gonna do best at. And I think that's mm -hmm. something that you should be so proud. So when starting Parachute, you know, this was a solo thing with you first. Mm -hmm. When did you realize that you needed to build a team? And then also what did you feel like was your thing that you're good at that you you wanted to keep when you were start or when you were starting to expand parachute. Oh, interesting. So from the beginning, I think I knew I didn't do parachute for very long alone at all. I think my first thing I did after I just like built that vision of what I wanted it to be, I went and I found people because you know, mm -hmm. parachute is all about creativity. It's all about stories and content. And I can't do any of that stuff. I know mm -hmm. what I want it to be, what I want it to say, but I can't like actually like write or design or anything as I said. <laughs> and so I think the first thing I did was create a list of what I needed and then went out and just found that. That was like, mm -hmm. you know, I wasn't alone for very long at all. What I know I'm good at is just that strategy part of it, is looking, mm -hmm. you know, this is where we are, this is where we want to go to, and this is where we need. I'm really mm -hmm. good at the brand part in crafting who we should be. This is what pressure should look like and feel like and mm -hmm. sound like. And working with teams to like translate that into, you know, actual copy or actual design, all of that stuff. And so something that as the team has grown so much that I knew that I wanted to keep was just that strategic control of like where it's going. And I know at some point when passion grows to be what I hope it would be, I won't be able to be as hands-on. And so mm -hmm. I think I'm just enjoying these moments where I get to have input on the social media posts and, you know, mm -hmm. curate the little memes that we do in little tweets and stuff. So yeah, just like small things that I probably shouldn't be doing, but I'm like, I want to do this. So yeah. <laughs> Did you feel like it was hard for your team to trust you, especially as like a new founder and like, you know, and you're saying like, you don't have these hard skills. Like, did you feel like you had any obstacles to overcome to have these folks go on this journey with you? I have never been asked that before. That's such an interesting question. I've never really thought about that. I was gonna say, I guess what kind of sparked this is because sometimes when we get a project quote, I'm like, why do they trust us, Calvin? <laughs> I, I, now I'm starting to get clients, I feel that way as well. And so, mm -hmm. yeah. Hmm. I think there was one thing in that a lot of people who joined our team were just around my age, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. And so it wasn't like they were like you are Calvin who kind of like knew what it was supposed to be like and stuff. <laughs> and so it was, it wasn't really that hard. And I think something that worked for us then and I think works for us now is just being able to tell that story. Everyone on our team, especially at the beginning, were all people of color and so they all resonated with our why. And so mm -hmm. I think as long as they knew that 
that why was the same for me, I think, you know, that built that trust. And something I always say is just like incremental progress. People love to see that you're getting closer and closer every day to that goal. Mm-hmm. And I think something I'm always telling my team leads, always telling myself is the team will be motivated as long as they can see that the why is actually like working, you know? So mm-hmm. when we launched our Instagram, you know, that was progress. When we got our first client, that was progress. When we launched mm-hmm. the website, that was progress. Anytime, you know, we do like a podcast like this, an interview, and, you know, people are interested, that's progress. So when people are demotivated, it's maybe because we're being a bit stagnant or, you know, something hasn't happened in a while. Our team has gotten kind of big. And so something that I've been struggling with lately is just being able to communicate to them, like all the progress we're making. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, we have a different part of our team that works with clients sometimes. And we don't always, you know, I'm not always the best at communicating to the rest of the team. Like, hey, Mm -hmm. we're doing this or we just got this or whatever. Building that internal communication where even though, you know, they're going through finals and things are hard, they're like, oh my God, like, you know, people really want to work with us. And so that keeps Mm -hmm. them going. And so I'd say that's just that progress is just the way I think. So. Mm It sounds like, uh, and I think this is true with us too, with Studio DBJ, is that like having the resume, having like the bona fides is like, it's cute. But what people really resonate with most is like, if your why, like you said, like your mission. Yeah. If people can really understand what you're going for and what you're doing, they can push away like, oh, like maybe they don't have as much experience, mm-hmm. but like we are on the same wavelength yeah. when we're here together. Then obviously like to keep that relationship up, you need to be showing the progress mm-hmm. you've made and you need to make sure that you're letting them know like, hey, we are accomplishing things, you're trusting me. And it's building the trust. Yeah, exactly. As opposed to like having it initially at the beginning. Exactly. Things obviously don't always go the way that you plan them to. Do you have a, a memory really strongly of like something that kind of went a little bit awry? And like if you came back from it at all or like kind of what happened after that? What's really interesting about Parachute is that things go awry all the damn time. I feel like I'm <laughs> always just like in fix mode, which is kind of annoying. But something I've realized is that most of the time, like, people don't know. People can't tell. (laughs) All the time we've launched something. We're supposed to launch our website by the end of last year. And we launched it Mm -hmm. in April of this year. Mm -hmm. And I was so pissed about it. And I was so upset. And someone on my team told me, but, like, the audience doesn't know you plan to launch it in December. (laughs) (laughs) They're, like, they're chilling, you know. They're doing great. And so, um... (laughs) I think a lot of things go wrong and Mm -hmm. a lot of the time internally we're really struggling because, you know, mental health, because we're all people of color, we're all young people, we're all transitioning. But Mm -hmm. I think at the end of the day, we're still, as long as we're still able to put out that content and that love to our team, that'd be Mm -hmm. amazing. For example, like right now, we're not posting anything on our Instagram this week because we're going through like a whole revamp. And I cannot tell you how many times we've gone through revamps. You know, <laughs> cannot tell you. I was like, no, Calvin feels you because I always want a revamp. Yeah, all the time. I'm like, this is not working. And so, um, always kind of like giving myself some like, you know, calm down and chico because as long as they can't really tell, like mm-hmm. then we have some time to like, you know, tinker inside. And so to that, I would say a lot of the time. Anytime something goes wrong, I'm a bit more calm and I'm a Mm -hmm. bit more like this too shall pass kind of thing. Uh, It kind of reminds me of like, or I guess there's two things that reminds me of. The first thing is like a wedding where it's like, you know that people are freaking out behind the scenes of a wedding, right? Like so much (laughs) stuff is going wrong. Somebody's not here on time or like something, like things are like five minutes Mm -hmm. off. But you know, if everybody's drinking, having a good time and you're not like- Yeah, exactly. 
tear something down, you're like totally cool and nobody really If they cares. can't tell you're fine, you're chilling, so. Exactly. Yeah. So funny. Kind of related to that as well as like, there, there's a level of transparency where like, yeah, you should let people know if stuff's going on. But there's also that, like you said, if you don't mention it, some people might not even notice. Mm-hmm. So it's like, <laughs> maybe it's, it's okay just yeah. to like get it fixed and then let them know once it's yeah. fixed instead mm-hmm. of letting them know when you start because <laughs> the, the, then uh, they're they're just like, oh, you fixed it. So great. Exactly. And they're not worried about the fact yeah. that it's not done mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm. You know, we've taken an Instagram break before and then we'd post, hey, our team is taking a break to revamp. And then this time I'm like, no, we're taking a break for like <laughs> a week. Like it's, it's fine, you know? No, I'm mm. sure people love passion, but they not they don't love it that much that it spoils their whole week. You know, it might hurt like our Instagram algorithm a bit and stuff, but like we'll survive. Let's just fix it and then mm-hmm. come back. And so I think it's kind of like picking and choosing when that communication needs to happen because you don't mm-hmm. always want to tell people that like things are going wrong all the time. So <laughs> you are working with the team of like young 20 year olds, mm-hmm. you know, and that's a, that's definitely a pivotal, I feel like a pivotal yeah. transition age because you're switching between like a student identity to like an adult in the, mm-hmm. in the outside world, you know, yeah. and then your entire schedule is changing. Your way of life is changing. And it's like, that's a lot of energies to also just be managing yeah. itself. And so the fact that parachute is also like this far with all those energies, it does show to other people like you can do this, you know, Mm -hmm. it's definitely like how you do it. It's just, I think it's just really cool that you made it happen. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's hard because everyone's always going through something at some point or the other. (laughs) And so I think my mind, parachute has made my mindset go from very, I have grace for today. I will get through Mm -hmm. today and then tomorrow Mm -hmm. I will have strength for tomorrow. I think it's Mm -hmm. taught me to, yes, plan for the long term and, you know, all that strategic thing, but just get through today and just be okay Mm -hmm. with that. And then tomorrow mm. you have strength for tomorrow as well because there's always something happening. So, you know, it's, yeah, it'd be like that. Mm. <laughs> it's just funny because the way Achuka was saying like always or something, I'm like, oh, a lot of things must have happened. Oh, in yes, a lot has transpired, I will tell you. So, <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so you, you know, you're recently graduated, you're gonna go work at Adidas, super exciting. How do you feel or how do you think Parachute's going to continue to grow mm-hmm. as, you know, as you are also experiencing these new things in your life? Yeah. So, oh God, it was like, I got the offer from Adidas about a year ago, actually. And I didn't think I would take it until two months ago. And then, you know, some things happened in my life and I was like, I actually need this job and I actually do want to mm-hmm. do it. So I was kind of like freaking out. A lot of people also graduated and are doing, so Patrick's no one's full-time job. Like maybe mine mm-hmm. most of the time, but like everyone on the team is like really part-time, which it is what it is. And we had to really sit down and think about, you know, we want to do this. And so actually right now we're bringing on some strategic partners to work with us that are, mm-hmm. you know, way older, way more developed. The former CMO of BBC and Harrods actually is, you know, mm-hmm. coming on board and entering a partnership with Parachute and someone who was the former, a former VP at Adidas actually, who, um, it's crazy because I met her when I was trying to like network for Adidas and now, you know, she's working with my company and everything. And so we're bringing up a lot more trained people, people who are like, you know, retired from their jobs that were amazing and wanting to do purpose work full time to kind of like work with parachute more long term. 
um, mm-hmm. to really take us to that growth. You know, honestly, for me, that was really hard because this whole time it's just been me and my girls just chilling and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And I think we need to sit down, we need to sit down and be like, what does parachute need to be what parachute needs to be? You know, how do we mm-hmm. get there? And we realized that bringing on people that were more experienced than we were, that, you know, had a lot more connections in our industry, that, you know, that this and had gone through this phase of life of all the chaos as we're Mm -hmm. all in right now to help stabilize us and to help drive that growth. And so this year we're entering like a new season with Parachute that I'm really excited about. And I start working two weeks and so it's a lot of behind the scenes restructuring and, Mm -hmm. you know, laying down plans legal stuff that i half understand god help me mm-hmm. um to just prepare us for that next season sometimes i'm like oh my god i wish i was cool enough to do this all on my own but yeah. i tell myself that i've done a good job of creating something that people like that want to be a part mm-hmm. of not that, like apologies if i'm putting words in your mouth or like projecting mm-hmm. But having a moment like that where you're like asking um, or you're having these people who are more seasoned, uh, more establishment kind of coming on board, at least I think it kind of brings up that question of, like you said, like, am I betraying the original mission of like Mm -hmm. trying to build something on my own or like these are, I don't know who these are are particularly, but maybe they're more established, more like white cis, you know, straight people who are coming out. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, it's like, oh, is that like kind of betraying an element? But I I, like, I want to let you know that in my opinion, I don't think that it is in the same way that like these big mega corporations should be diversifying so that they can get, you know, people of color's voices at the table. I think it's important to do the reverse. Oh my God. Yeah. Not because you need them, but it, in, in the case that like you may not have the resources mm-hmm. to do this all on yeah, your own. Yeah, right? we don't. Yeah. So like it, it's it's getting the help that you need in the same way that those people also need the help that they need in like bringing up people of color. Mm-hmm. You need, um, not need, but it's nice and it's helpful. Mm-hmm. To have yeah. More established people come in and um, support your mission and obviously your mission first. Like it's mm-hmm. not like you're going to yeah. be changing anything to accommodate. Exactly. Yeah. They're yeah. coming in to, to help you yeah. out. No, it's it's basically like the insider scoop type of situation mm-hmm. where like because I think Calvin and I kind of go through this too when we when we sometimes come across a project where like oh Calvin's been in like the structural engineering field mm-hmm. and he like knows certain things or I've been in the nonprofit fields and like I know how certain things operate and so when we work with like a third person like a third party or another client where we would say like you should go down this route because this is our own experience with it. Um, even though like the current work we do isn't reflective of that, but it's like, this is a way that we can lead you into the right area that you want to go to. I totally feel that. It's interesting because um, up until like three months ago, um, we had this rule in parachute, which we could do because we're incorporated at that time where, you know, Mm -hmm. everyone was a person of color. We only had people Mm -hmm. of color. And, Mm -hmm. you know, as we went closer to like incorporating and stuff we kind of realized that that was actually kind of illegal i didn't know that but like okay Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and i started thinking a lot and i was kind of scared that you know my team would be like no we can't do that but i love my team and they're like no this is the right Mm -hmm. thing to do to start having people who weren't people of color on the team Mm -hmm. and something i realized that is a lot of the time like I'm working for Adidas and I'm not thinking, oh my God, I'm working for a white company. You know, Mm -hmm. why is it that anytime it's a POC company, it's Mm -hmm. kind of like a POC company, you know? Like how it's like an Asian movie or a black movie, Mm -hmm. but white movies are just movies kind of thing. And why is it that we find no problem just investing into, I don't even know who owns Adidas, just like investing into like these people's pockets all the time with our time. But when, Mm -hmm. you know, it's time for white people to invest in our dreams and 
our mission and whatever it's just like a thing and i think mm -hmm. i kind of realized that like i do want them to be a part of this journey and for people mm -hmm. who have the right heart and you know the right way of thinking about these things and know when to take up space and when not to that mm -hmm they should have the opportunity to be a part of this as well. And people should learn to center stories of people of color and to center mm. the growth of people of color in their professional lives as well without it being yeah. like this huge thing, so. And this is not really a topic that we were going to touch on, but um, I, I, th I think I had this conversation with Jean like two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And I think it just goes to show like being a being a, a quote unquote capitalist, mm -hmm. like, you know, we're not capitalists in that we're trying to buy and sell oil, but, but like in the way that we are building something. Exactly. Um, yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, as like, as like, you know, people of color, as more progressive people who are also capitalists, like how do we responsibly do the thing mm -hmm and live in this world. And Gina and I were talking because what we've started to do recently is have people come on to our team and it's not just directly like going to me and Jean that it's going to these other people. Mm -hmm. I'm like, how are we preventing- Like uh, exploiting studio people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like how are we stopping ourselves from exploiting these people whose work we are like more, like sometimes profiting off of. Mm -hmm. And um, the way that at least within uh, Studio DBJ, the thing that we do is that we do not tell people what their salary is we ask them what they want to get paid mm. and then we like if that work is like fits them and is like within the, the client's budget we say that we're not exploiting our uh collaborators we're exploiting our clients. <laughs> i was like are you really gonna say that he just, I'm here said, for it. It. He just said it okay no, I can take it out. you can keep it but i was I'm like wait it. are you really going there no uh i say it as a joke it, it's like i the, mean if they got the cash yes our, our, our clients know what we're our clients know what we're about and they yeah. know that we really advocate for the creative community yeah. and if, if they support that then they would be okay with us supporting the creative community mm -hmm. in the way that we yeah them, and I think, which is by paying yeah. them what they ask yeah yeah for. and i think because i was i just had this conversation with one of our contractors yesterday and they're there so they're contracting with us and they're also working full-time at an agency and basically like the way we operate is so different mm -hmm. from how they operate and i was just like i don't know why that's so normal and i feel like it's so <laughs> When I was like, you're not fired. All you just have to do is tell me I'm not going to get mad. Like, th like that's the only way we can operate is if you tell me, I know how to solve your problem. Mm -hmm. But if you don't tell me what the problem is, I can't help you. The most important thing is your health, your well-being and yeah. your fulfillment. You know, so if you're feeling fulfilled, if you're feeling healthy, like, I don't want you to pull an all-nighter. But if like, if you're like, I have the energy to do it and that's what I want to do, I'm also not going to stop you. And she was just like that's so different and i don't know when the like uno reverse card came into my <laughs> life but i was just like no like fuck all that like it's not supposed to be that way yeah. and then like it's just like it's you're supposed to be fulfilled your like life is about being lived it's not about like you know mm -hmm. doing these things that ultimately don't really matter when you're dead exactly you know? yeah <laughs> and For so sure. like so Ochik, with you bringing in people you know especially like white cis folks I think that's a powerful statement in a certain way of like, this is normal and this should happen and should also be encouraging for white people to enter these spaces. Yeah. A different thing that I'm part of. They're also kind of going through it as well, where their direction has definitely changed to be more POC centered mm -hmm. and like all the white folks just disappeared. And it was like, no, this is when you should come in actually. Exactly. Like, you should still be part of this conversation. Yeah, no, I completely mm -hmm. agree with that. And one thing that makes me happy is that because like I said, a lot of people on a team work, have full-time jobs or work part-time other mm -hmm. places is when 
you know, they can see the difference with working with Parachute. Just for the community, the good vibes, just the understanding. We take mental health so seriously. Like, you know, you can have, if you need a break, take a break. If you need something, take, especially because, you know, we're born when Black Lives Matter was happening, you know, last year. And it was a lot for people emotionally. We actually took a three week break just right when we we're starting and I was freaking out. But mm-hmm. I wanted to set that precedent from the get go that, you know, mental health comes first because I'm not a creative, but something I've learned over the last year is that creativity really comes from like your heart and your mind and where you are mm-hmm. as a person. And it's not like I could just like write a strategy document anytime I want. Mm-hmm. I could just like, you know, <laughs> and I remember when we started, I was like, why can't you just guys just like do it? I just do it. Like, what are you talking about? And then I realized that, you know, passion was creativity, the writing mm-hmm. and the designing, and they had to be good vibes. And I was like, yeah, then we will create good vibes. So, <laughs> yeah. Like in the design community, I feel like that's not like pushed enough. Mm-hmm. And so like, there's this thing of like creative block and like you just have to get through it and there's this thing of like you have to pay your dues so you have to also just get through it and it's like actually those are just like methods of gatekeeping of like keeping people from like being fulfilled and doing things that they're able to do so especially with parachute being like in some way like a creative incubator Mm -hmm. for folks i think it's just wonderful that this is just like a natural part of your company a natural part of your mission we're, we're uh, just to wrap up what we're talking about the experience of being a person with more progressive values and a person of color who is also a business owner so like the things i think that the the three of us have kind of taken away most is that it's important to be critical of the like systems that you're putting into place to to know if you're like perpetuating these ideas that aren't really serving anybody mm-hmm. on the team mm-hmm. right and then the other thing is that everyone at the table means everyone at the table because the fact that like more privileged people have um, a more privileged background doesn't mean that they don't have something that they can bring to the team yeah. as long as they're willing to meet you there. Exactly. Which is maybe the thing that is a little bit more difficult for some mm-hmm. people. But <laughs> um, what is your mission for Parachute's voice specifically? How do you all spotlight positivity? And uh, I guess what are some examples of content that you've done to do that? Parachute's mindset when we're thinking about content is just to center it around real life mm-hmm. and real people. Real life isn't heavily tragic or heavily positive. It isn't all about politics or all about beauty or fashion. It's about all of it. People are so multidimensional. People love themselves but hate themselves. Mm -hmm. And people are activists but also kind of like boy crazy or girl crazy or whatever. And people are super ambitious, but also really insecure. You know, people are a lot of different things and that's just real life. And so we try to create content that when you come in as a person of color, but some someone wanting to know about person of color, you see all the different sides and you see all the sides of yourself represented in that. Um, yeah, our storytelling thing is just, you know, this is just you. This is all the ways you can be you and all the ways that can be me. and. We never define what a black person should be like or what an Asian person should be like or whatever. You know, Mm -hmm. I come as a Chico, you come as Jean and we're chilling. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's what it's about. Jean's heard me talk about this a couple of times when it comes to representation in media. What I usually see as like the two primary camps is like this family of like normalizing people of color in media. So Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, it's the goofy best friend, but he's Asian or it's the love interest, but she's black. Exactly. That's one form of... uh, representation and then the other form is like being super specific so stories like 
Moonlight, where it's very specifically about a queer black person's experience in like growing up, or the the farewell, which was a movie about an Asian woman's experience with like grief and her grandmother and how a family kind of deals with that uh, compared to how an American family might. So I guess um, where do you or how do you feel about these two like sort of families of inclusion, and what do you think is um, or how does how does a parachute approach like these two poles? There's really space for all these different types of narratives. Mm-hmm. You know, there's space of talking about. So there's stories that we put out there. They're just very focused on people. For example, we can talk about Jean, and mm-hmm. we could be like, you know, Jean has a startup. Jean does this. How does Jean, you know, how, like the interview that we did for you wasn't really mm-hmm. focused on your being a person of color. Maybe there was one question in there, but it was just about mm-hmm. kind of like what you do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very powerful because the message is that like you can just do. Mm-hmm. as a person as like an Asian woman and like that's fine but then we also have different narratives that really you know will talk about how your being a person of color has affected your work life or mm-hmm. your dating life kind of thing we kind of struggled with this at first where we can we're kind of skewing towards we're not going to focus on being a person of color just focus on life with mm-hmm. that message that like as a person of color you can do whatever but then we really found out that being a person of color is kind of like pervasive in every part of your life so it kind of changes things and so we should talk mm-hmm. about that because that helps people be seen and so i would say it's kind of like finding a balance between those two you mm-hmm. know not always calling out like you know how being a person of color makes things harder but also talking mm-hmm. about how it makes things more fun and a lot easier sometimes but also just talk about you on your daily life doing mm-hmm. your thing and I think people will get that message that I, I could also just do my thing. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes people always ask me in interviews, um, which you guys have not which I think is pretty cool. Like, how has being a black woman made oh this harder? Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was like, and I hate that question because I think it has that subtext that, uh-huh. you know, rightly or not, that it should be harder because you're a woman of color. Mm-hmm. And there is some truth to that. But I think as someone who would listen to interviews and have that asked, I, I was so scared because I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, it must be so hard mm-hmm. if they ask it all the time. And passion has been hard for me. But I think most of that has just been because it's a startup mm-hmm. and not necessarily because I am black. Mm-hmm. You know, in fact, I haven't really come across anything that it's because I'm black. I have seen mm-hmm. a lot of opportunities um, because that unlike, you know, people being more willing to help me or mm-hmm. people being um, there being special funds or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I choose to focus on that and not just have this, you know, subtext message that your life mm-hmm. will be so much harder at every point of the way, in every situation, every category mm-hmm. because of how you look. Yeah, yeah. like you said, there. if they wanted, what is it called? What do people call it? It's like um, trauma porn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what yeah. I call it too, yeah. <laughs> uh, that if you want that, you can find it, you know, at many major publications Everywhere. or like yeah. personal blogs or whatever. But, Not in this um, house, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I sometimes I feel like that's such a crazy question to ask. I feel like any answer you give, it's kind of like you're starting trauma for no reason sometimes. Yeah, like, I'm just like, why are you baiting me? Yeah. What do you want from me? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Parachute comes out with a lot of content. You feature a lot of people and with obviously the climate of everything going on in our world, in all of the worlds, media has not been everyone's best friend and has mm. not been like the best at double checking what they're writing. In the light of bad storytelling, like what are some ways that you kind of check yourself before publishing something or before releasing something so that you feel like you're putting out meaningful pieces into yeah. everyone's lives? 
Yeah, no, that's a huge thing that my team and I has been, have been talking about. So something that we always try to make clear, especially at this point, is that we do not have the resources to be a news source for anyone. Mm -hmm. And so when we put out stories that are related to what's happening in the world, we always try to do it from a point of personal stories, mm -hmm. if that makes sense, you know, mm -hmm. or um, I'm a Palestinian woman who is also American. This is how I feel about this. Mm -hmm. We had someone who's on our team who was at India during like, you know, the COVID outbreak crisis and everything a couple of months ago, and she wrote her perspective on it. Mm -hmm. And so we have this kind of like underlying message where, you know, going through there's many ways to be a person of color. There are people of color. We have different opinions. Mm -hmm. And so we might have someone write something about the same thing, but it's just kind of like, this is how I feel. Mm -hmm. And then this is how I feel completely different. Mm -hmm. But that message that, you know, this is how people of color feel. We're not a monolith, that kind of thing. We can even really care that this is like opinion based and not presenting this to people as like, this is exactly what's happening. And then also pointing people to resources that we think have more or better information and so mm -hmm. i think we're taking this perspective until we get the resources the financing to really go out there and make sure that we're bringing the truth we're just going to mm -hmm. talk about how this is affecting us how people feel mm -hmm. and how you know reality affects you know personal lived experiences because that's what we know that we can do really well it sounds like it's not about the truth like capital t truth mm -hmm. but it's about like your individual truth exactly right? like yeah, people might feel some kind of way about that, but I think it's also important to understand that, you know, we're being honest with people mm -hmm. in that we're not pretending to be something that we're not. And I think um, we can't fill up space for something that we don't have confidence about. And mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. yeah. Does Parachute feel real or does it feel like still like imaginary or surreal to you? Like, do you ever have moments mm -hmm. on like, oh, this is this is like actually happening? Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. This morning I was praying and I had that moment because I remember around this time last year, I was just trying to make it happen. Mm -hmm. You know, um, that was when I first met you and we had the interview and I was just like out here trying. I couldn't mm -hmm. even properly articulate what we were, what we're doing at that point or what our business plan was. Mm -hmm. And now not only do I know those things, but they actually started to take it back. Um, however, most days, and I think this is just like a founder's thing, you have this, when you have the vision of the company, you already see it as it is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. You already see the whole and you see all the different brands and all the different mm -hmm. like, you know, revenues. You just see the whole thing. That's the dream you have. Mm -hmm. And every single day, you're just not there. <laughs> and so, <laughs> I think it's, you know, holding that vision. Cause like what passion is now isn't really, it's not what passion is in my head yet. Mm -hmm. But I think I'm, I used to beat myself up about that a lot and compare us to like in Friday 29 and Bustle. Mm -hmm. And then I found a trick. There's this thing called Wayback Machine, um, this website where you can go and see what websites looked like years ago. Okay. And so anytime I'm feeling bad, I go to one of these big publications and look at what they looked like two years out. And I'm like, we're <laughs> chilling. And so I always try to put things in context so I don't feel too bad. And so let that distance between, I don't know, someone said this, but you know, letting that distance between where you are and where you want to be inspire you rather than mm -hmm. crush you. Because, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, it's a very real possibility. So, you know, Wayback Machine is your friend. So then I actually want to ask you guys a question, asking mm -hmm. you the same question you just asked me, does this feel real yet? How does this feel to you guys being 27, 28 and being, you know, oh adults, adults, like, I guess it, it feels a little different for me because even though I, I co-run with Gene Studio DBJ, I'm not the founder. Mm -hmm. So it, it, I guess I don't really have the same feeling about it. It does it does feel a little surreal um, to like be doing my own thing because I spent 
a lot of childhood trauma stuff. Like I spent a lot of time growing up and like up until maybe a year and a half ago being told what to do or mm. being like, you know, doing something that I felt like I had to do. Yeah. And then once I came on with Jean, that was like sort of the start of me like doing the things that I wanted to do and the things that were fulfilling for me. So it is kind of crazy to like have lived the first 26 years of my life coloring in the lines of like doing a coloring book and then now I'm like drawing my own pictures so mm. I think that that's oh. pretty cool and that feels kind of surreal that's I love that metaphor yeah that's a good <laughs> yeah. one at first I thought you were going to say coloring outside the lines oh no I hate that <laughs> I always think that sounds cheesy <laughs> he was like different thing. like new new mantra no that's a really good one um a lot of it still doesn't feel real to me which is really weird um but then there's like real responsibilities right on like mm-hmm. oh, this is you know like paychecks and like uh people's launch dates and all that stuff um not to say i don't take it seriously i do take it very very seriously sometimes a little too seriously but i think most of the days it just feels like i'm playing so even though i'm 28 now i think a lot of days i just feel like i'm 13 (laughs) i don't think there's been a moment that's felt like super super real yet so i think that's kind of the fun part is that like the potential for it is still so open you know and it's still being shaped it's just we know it's supposed to make us feel fulfilled so as it's as it's growing you know other people have their input in there and we're just we're going at a pace i think that we're comfortable with so i think that's where that's how it's feeling right now so you are not quite 27 yet so i guess when you imagine a future where you hit what we Jean and I perceived as like a, a turning point. What do you think 27 is going to look like the way that you see it right now? Oh, um, this is so random, but I have baby fever right now, so I want to be. <laughs> okay. Is that weird? Um, no. There's something about like just 24, 25 when like babies just look. If it's so just a yummy. thing. It's I just know. a thing. I don't know what it is. I love. Like, I might I change like my mind. Before, but I love babies now. I know. I'm probably gonna change my mind because 27 seems really close. But in terms of parachute, well, like in five years' time, I think when people think, you know, media, when people think POC media, I want them to think parachute. You know, mm-hmm. I want to be doing it full time. I want to have people working full time for us. I want to have our own office. I want to be doing things like conferences, making mm-hmm. scenes, making books, having amazing partnerships, mm-hmm. you know, creating video content, doing just like I just want it to be so much closer to what I see it becoming. You mm-hmm. know, in my personal life, I want to have finally been someone who is a plant mom mm-hmm. who eats vegetables, who goes on <laughs> jogs. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just want to be like taking my vitamins out here. Just feel like balanced, you know, like I just want to feel balanced at 27. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to you wanna wake up with your cup of coffee, exactly. look out the window and exhale. You know, exactly. <laughs> you know how it is. You know, a nice apartment somewhere. I don't know if I want to be in Portland, but I want to feel less sort of like shaky about everything. Mm-hmm. Because life is life. I'm not even sure if that's going to happen, but I think... People really enjoy their 20s. I'm really excited about my 30s. And Mm -hmm. by that, it's just like, I'm excited to have certain factors just 
you know, be there. I hope mm -hmm. in my 30s I find someone that I'm gonna be with. So like, at least I know mm -hmm. something is there. And mm -hmm. I kind of like, I'm totally sure of my career path, hopefully, and all that mm -hmm. stuff. I'm looking forward to like parts in my life where certain variables just become fixed because mm -hmm. I've decided they're fixed and I'm comfortable with that. Because I think at this stage, you're in so much flux. Everything's a possibility, kind of. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's the whole paradox of choice where it's great, but also kind of like, just give me something already. Mm -hmm. And so I hope by 27, I'm at a point where I'm starting to have some of those things checked. Um, not even necessarily in an achievement way, but just kind of like more in a comfort in this is who I am. Before we close out, Ochiko, uh, I guess, do you want to plug all the all the things that you need to for uh, for Parachute and for yourself? Yeah, for sure. You know, we are the Parachute Media on Instagram and then you can see all our articles on there. So go take a read, send in feedback. I reply a lot of the DMs and so I'm always there to talk to anyone. Um, if you're someone who has a story, who has an idea, um, we're always taking pictures and always working with people to bring that to life. Yeah, so thank you all so much for listening and thank you, Ochuko, for stopping by. We Thanks really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Uh, if you want to listen to more episodes of the podcast, you can listen to those on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you want to subscribe to our newsletter uh, and get a little email whenever a new podcast episode comes out, you can go on our website, studiodbj.com. Once you scroll a little bit, you'll get a, an opt-in to sign up for our newsletter. If you're subscribed to the podcast, be sure to look out for the next episode that'll come out in July. Uh, we're going to be talking about, um, Gina actually decided this time. Yes, we're going to be talking did. about what it actually looks like to work <laughs> and like what liking your job looks like. Thank you all for stopping by and we will catch you all for the next episode next month. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Bye. Bye.